You are listening to the Gateway Church in Spring Lake, Michigan. To learn more, visit us at thegatewaygh.com. Uh, thank you guys so much. Man, good morning. Um, so real quick question. Has anyone ever been the new person somewhere? Maybe you've been the new guy, the new gal at school, at work. I know there's more than that. I know there, come on, you've been a new person somewhere, everyone. Um, Most of you have probably been a new person here at this church at one time. And and maybe you've been the new kid at school at some point, and you you don't know anyone, and, and you aren't sure where you're supposed to go as you try to navigate through all of the controlled chaos Depending on where you came from, you might not know the social or the cultural norms of the area. Um, You don't know what future friends have mischievous or maybe scandalous reputations. And then, so you try to act natural and you try to find maybe your small crowd to fit into. But inside, you're silently screaming. No matter what happens, you know you'll be clearly misunderstood because it's not easy to quickly fit into a new surrounding. And think of being the new guy or the new gal at work. You think it'll be different, but it's the same thing. You know, new kid at school, new person at work, same difference. So you go with, uh, with these certain expectations of what the day will look like. And again, you try to act normal, but then you just find that your personality has been found missing. And, and at lunchtime, you even find yourself drinking Pepsi Cola because everyone else is doing it. Ah, No. So you walk home with your tail between your legs, feeling like Charlie Brown. Good grief. Man, can we say that together this morning? Good grief. Man, when we're thrown into a new situation or a new setting, we're sometimes a slave to that culture. We feel like we have to fit into that bubble that they've placed us in. This, this is what our last boss was like. He didn't treat people like this. Oh, you dress like that, so you must fit in with this group. Oh, this is how we act here. So you need to act like this too if you want to belong. That's a scary feeling to have, you know, conform or die. Conform or die. Come on, conform or die. You're proving my point this morning. You're going along with it. So so this is the subject that the Apostle Paul addresses in one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It's Romans chapter 12, if you'd like to turn there this morning with me. And so the Apostle Paul, who was also known as Saul of Tarsus, uh, was the author of two-thirds of the New Testament. And before he met Jesus, he was actually one of the biggest enemies of Christianity. But after having this divine encounter with Jesus, he ended up being the most influential Christian of the early church. And, and most of our theology and understanding of who Jesus is, it actually comes from Paul. So, so Paul talks here in Romans about how we shouldn't conform to the patterns of our culture, but how we need to be transformed by continually renewing our minds. Paul is telling people not to put themselves in culture's bubble or society's box. He is telling them that they need to be out there, that Christians need to be out there in the world, out there in their thinking, all while taking a risk and putting themselves out there on the line. So let's open up to Romans chapter 12 this morning and read for ourselves the opening verses of the chapter. And it says in verses 1 and 2, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
Then you'll be able to attest and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Amen. Let's pray this morning. Dear Jesus, we just thank you. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. And we just pray that you would just open our minds, illuminate our hearts today uh, to receive what you have to speak to all of us individually today. And I just pray that none of your words that you have for the congregation this morning will hit the ground, that you will uh, uh, challenge all of us to leave uh, being challenged, inspired, um, and, and leave not being the same people we walked in um, as this morning. We give you all the praise and glory and honor in your name. And everyone said, amen. So before we dive into what the text has to say, I want to make sure to give a little bit of context of what's going on. So Paul opens this section by saying, therefore I urge you. And I've heard uh, and, and listened to several sermons on this subject this week with, where pastors follow this by saying in their most frantic tone, I urge you, I urge you. And, and so you get it. Like Paul is pleading with his readers um, in this part of his letter, um, hoping that they get what he's about to say. So we know right from the start that what follows is going to be important. Uh, we know that what follows is important, but we also know that what Paul said earlier is important because of that first word uh, that, that's in that uh, scripture. It says, therefore. And when someone uses the word therefore, it means that they are summing up something and, and starting a new thought. And anytime you see or read the word therefore, whether it's in a book or in scripture, you need to ask yourself, what is therefore? Therefore, cheesy, yes, definitely, very cheesy, effective, definitely, for sure. So what is Paul summing up? Luckily for us, um, it says right here in the verse, he says, therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. And this is probably the most, um, I think, successful summation of anything I've ever read in my entire life. In view of God's mercy. Um, it's Paul's way of summarizing the previous 11 chapters into five simple words. So Paul is transitioning from talking about Jesus and his life and his death and his resurrection and what that means for us, and he is now going to give real-life application. So he's essentially saying, now that you get what Jesus did, you, you're no longer slaves to the works of the law, but you're made free by the faithfulness of Jesus. His, his faithfulness to live a perfect life his faithfulness to die a death he didn't deserve, and his faithfulness in staying true to his word and defeating death, hell, and the grave through his resurrection. In view of this mercy, because of this forgiveness and new life, this is how you are to respond. And so today, we're going to look at three ways we need to be out there in our faith. And the idea of being out there, it's this idea of being different, uh, weird. It, it, it's this idea of being countercultural, maybe. And, and Paul lays out um, in, in three very specific ways uh, for us to be out there in our faith in Romans chapter 12. And so the first thing we can see is that we need to go out there into the world. Paul's, his first urging plea is that the Romans offer their bodies as a living sacrifice. He even goes as far as to say that this is true and proper. Uh, it's the true and proper way we worship. And the phrase living sacrifice, it's probably something uh, that I've read hundreds of times. And I've been able to quote this scripture by heart since I was probably 15 or 16 years old. But sometimes it's the verses that we know the most 
that need revisited. We need to look at the verse again with maybe a fresh eye or a new perspective. And I had to do that with this idea of being a living sacrifice. I mean, the phrase is pretty oxymoronic, right? If you told someone who grew up in a religious system that that made sacrifices regularly like the Romans did, that they needed to be a sacrifice to God, I'm sure they would think that we were part of a cult. Like they'd be staying away from the Kool-Aid that we were drinking, if you know what I'm saying. It's so easy for us to read the Bible without thinking of what it's really saying or what it meant to the people who first read it. So um, here's a list of some other oxymorons uh, to help us wrap our mind around this almost contradictory thinking of being a living sacrifice. I think I have a list of oxymorons. Yeah. Uh, so there's another one that I, that, I, that I have on here in my notes that, I, that didn't make it on the slides, and that is controlled chaos. I thought that one was really interesting. Ooh, controlled chaos. We have act natural, uh, small crowd, silently screaming, clearly misunderstood, same difference, found, missing, my ultimate favorite one, Pepsi, Cola, it is disgusting, it is not, um, and good grief. And maybe, like, you're thinking, oh, man, some, some of these sound familiar, like, good grief, that sounds familiar, right? And, and maybe it's that all of these words sound familiar, and that's because I actually used all of these phrases in the first minute of my sermon. Every single one. I know what you're thinking. That was probably more moronic than oxymoronic, and, and maybe you're right. Um, okay, all right, you're definitely right. Um, but it just goes to show how easy it is for us to hear words or phrases and not really think about what they mean. So what does it mean? What does it mean to be a living sacrifice? If this is what it means to worship God, we better get what's being said. Paul says that this is the true and proper way we worship. It doesn't sound like it's us singing songs on a Sunday with our eyes closed and our hands raised. So what is it? What does it really mean to worship God? It's us taking everything we do everything, and giving it to God. It's us recognizing that Jesus gave his life for our freedom, and so we give our whole livelihood to God in return as a thank you. And that's the whole crux behind this phrase. It's a living, breathing, moving, and doing sacrifice. Being a living sacrifice, it isn't coming up to the altar to ask God for forgiveness. Being a living sacrifice is a conscious choice to follow God in whatever you do, whether, it's, it's, uh, whether that's being a good employee or maybe an awesome parent, uh, whether you're serving um, as a band booster or on the PTA, and whether you're a student or a teacher, or whether you're out in the middle of the street or alone in your room. How are you living for God? Are you living sacrificially? Or are you living for self? Let's think about that. Are we living sacrificially or are we living for ourselves? Am I living sacrificially or am I living for myself? I really like how um, this theologian, his name is Eugene Peterson. I like how he phrases this scripture. When he wrote uh, the Message Bible, he said it this way. He said to uh, take your everyday, 
ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. So worship actually doesn't happen only on Sundays. It actually doesn't even happen mostly on Sundays. It happens every second of every week when we're at the store or when we're hanging out by the water cooler or, or eating lunch or grabbing our morning coffee or, or even while we're brushing our teeth. Our sacrifice isn't meant to be left at the altar like the animal sacrifices of the Jewish people or the foreign religions of the Romans. Our sacrifices um, aren't supposed to be a part of worship in a temple. But now we are to live sacrificially as we go about our day-to-day lives. So what are you worshiping by how you live? Who does your life revolve around? Is it your job or your career? You just need to make another dollar. Is it your lifestyle choices? Nobody gets to tell me what to do or how to live my life. Or maybe you're a slave to your kids' schedules. You do anything to make sure that they succeed. It's easy for us to come here on Sunday and to think we're living for him. But it's when we look at our lives and what they look like outside of here that we can really see who we worship. Does my world revolve around Jesus or does it revolve around my own ego? There's this living, and then there's this word sacrifice. And we need to, we need to be a living sacrifice. And, and let me tell you, sacrifice, it's a really scary word. Sacrifice is a word for the faithful. It takes trust to give sacrificially. If the word sacrifice doesn't scare you, then maybe you need to think again about what it means. When you're telling God you're willing to sacrifice something for him, that means that you don't get to choose what you're sacrificing. Sacrifice has a cost. It, it costs time. It costs resources. It's, it's not just giving God your free time and throwing some spare change into the Salvation Army bucket around the holidays. It's giving God all of your time and trusting he'll give you the time you need to rest. It's trusting that God knows what's good for you more than you know what's good for you. We don't trust God with all that we have. Do we really think that God is good? God is calling us to be a living sacrifice. He is telling us to go out there, out into the world, and to live for him. Worship isn't meant to happen primarily in church. Worship isn't about where we are. Worship should be a part of who we are, living our life uh, fully in sacrifice for Jesus. And this isn't something that we should keep score on. I don't go home after work and tell Kyle how many times I've talked about her that day. I don't go, baby, I mentioned your name three times today. But how often do we do that with God? God, I shared this many posts on Facebook. Or let's think of it this way. How many of us We'll take these Easter cards, we'll hand them out to maybe our friends or families or coworkers, and then we feel like we've done our duty. We've done it. We're done. That's our destination. If Jesus is really a part of our lives, he should naturally come up all the time. All the time. I don't have to tally every time I talk about Kyle, and, and I shouldn't have to tally every time I talk about God. I just need to go out there and live for him. But we don't just have to go out there. We also have to be out there in our thinking. 
That's our second point today. It says um, that Paul says in Romans 12, verse 2, it says, uh, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed uh, by the renewing of your mind. So we need to daily renew our minds. Um, So we get that we need to go out there and be in the world, but what do we do, uh, what do we need to do to make sure we aren't influenced by the world? It's kind of shocking when you think about that, that God recognizes that there is power in community. He sees uh, it's easy for people to buckle under the pressures of society. That when you're a new kid at school or maybe the new guy or the new gal at work, there are definite and understandable pressures to fit in. And I definitely know those pressures firsthand. I I grew up really struggling to fit in sometimes. And it was for this really strange reason that I never quite got. And it was that I was really, really weird. Um, uh, So maybe it does make sense. Um, And I mean, so for example, I called my bicycle growing up the X-Wing. Um, which is a Star Wars reference. I, I had a fedora, like a real fedora and a real whip. I would wear my mom's old leather jacket from high school uh, while pretending to be Indiana Jones out in my backyard. Um, and not only that, like on top of that, I also loved math and science class. So like at the end of the day, I even probably would have put my head in the toilet. Um, and I only had a couple of friends, but, but one of my friends, he was actually more of an outcast than I was. Um, he had some behavioral issues and a rough home life. Um, and, and so I ended up really being his only friend. But, but it was awesome because we were as thick as thieves. Um, and his mom had even talked to the school uh, to see if, if we could always be paired together growing up. And so the school happily obliged because he was actually less of a behavioral issue when I was around. And so we ended up having the same homegroom, uh, homeroom teacher uh, all the way from kindergarten uh, through the fourth grade. But then fifth grade happened, and, and, and something happened there. Um, I didn't want to be the weird kid anymore. I wanted to fit in. I wanted to be normal. And so we called the school and we asked that I would be put in a different class. And, and I felt the pressure of fitting in. And I basically stopped hanging out with the person I could say was my only true friend. I broke into a house and I got arrested to fit in. Um, I picked on kids and became a bully to fit in. Um, I've played sports just so I could fit in. I've, I've gone to movies that I probably shouldn't have, ha- uh, shouldn't have gone to and said things I probably shouldn't have said just to fit in. I've talked, to others behind their, uh, talked about others behind their back uh, just because others were doing it. And I think that we all like to think that we grow out of these things uh, that we struggled with in adolescence. But let me tell you, they're, they're still here when we're adults. Wanting to fit in maybe something that some people always wrestle with. You know, classmates just morph into adults and become your coworkers or, or maybe even worse, your kids, friends, parents. And that's what peer pressure is now. That's what it's become. It's, it's now parents talking about the best parenting method or the best school system or what they feed their kids or how they discipline their kids and yada, 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 yada. But God understands the power of community and culture, and so does Paul as he writes this scripture. So he warns us here, we need to make sure we're out there in our thinking. We need to think differently. We need to have a renewed mind that sees the world differently as well. 
And maybe we've aligned our politics with our religion, and we've found ourselves more aligned to a political party than the will of God. Maybe we have our passions at the forefront of our thinking instead of God's heart. Maybe these are virtues we try to instill in our kids and our grandkids, but when it comes to our own personal way of thinking, we're stuck in our old ways. But God, God, he didn't call us to fit in. God hasn't called us to be normal. He doesn't want us to be stuck in our own ways. Jesus actually said that broad is the way to destruction. Normalcy, it just leads to death. Normalcy means we're living like the world and not like Jesus. He's calling us to something new. He is calling us to love in such a way that people notice and to live in such a way that we make ourselves stand out. Does your love make you stand out? If you're struggling to think of whether you're conformed to the world or transformed into the image of Christ, think of it this way. I I like to ask myself this question every now and then. Am I loving God and loving others by what I'm thinking or doing? I'll say that again. Am I loving God and loving others by what I'm thinking and what I'm doing? And so one of my biggest fears is that people will say, yeah, Bobby was a great worship leader. He was a great speaker, but boy, could he be a jerk. I could be successful in the world's eyes as far as what it looks like to be a pastor, and I could be miserable at following Jesus. You know, some of us, um, you know, could be great parents and be a miserable follower of Jesus. I could be a good leader or a good boss or a good employee um, and be a miserable follower of Jesus. I could serve at church every Sunday and be a miserable follower of Jesus. We need to be careful that we aren't conformed to societal norms or to culture, but we're transformed into the image of Jesus. And I think that's the other shocking thing that we need to think about being out there in our thinking. There's this understanding that regardless of what we do, we're being transformed. We'll either be transformed into the image of the world or we'll be transformed into the image of Christ. Paul is saying that becoming like Jesus, it's not something that'll happen naturally. We'll either consciously choose to follow Jesus or we'll subconsciously choose the way of society and cultural norms. So think of it like dieting or maybe getting in shape. You have to consciously make an effort to watch what you eat. You have to carve time um, out of your day to meal prep or maybe work out. Um, You have to pay sometimes for a gym membership. You have to completely change your lifestyle in some cases. And so two years ago when I ran the Grand Rapids uh, Half Marathon for Clean Water with World Vision, I had to start small. Um, I had to do that 20-minute run plan um, and I had to start months in advance so that I could be prepared for the, for the day of the race. And so what are you doing today that's preparing you for the trial you're about to face? You may not be facing a difficult circumstance today, um, and maybe that's caused you to be stagnant. But Paul is saying here that we need to constantly be transformed by renewing our mind. We need to have a plan or else we're going to find ourselves on the chocolate cake diet, if you know what I'm saying. We're either going to get in shape or we are going to become a shape. And that's why I am not wearing my World Vision shirt today 
because it shows my shape. Um, so we need to change our frame of reference. We need to renew our mind, and I love that. We aren't supposed to have some blind faith that we just aimlessly follow, but we are supposed to make conscious and willful efforts to live more like Jesus. We're supposed to be intentional about how we live. And again, I love how these ideas work hand in hand. If we only focus on maybe going out there and living sacrificially, we may fall into the pressure of societal norms and be conformed in our thinking. But if we only focus on being out there in our thinking, we may never really apply our faith into our everyday lives. We'd have all the appearances of being a perfect Christian, but, but we wouldn't really uh, be exercising our faith in the real world. So we need to go out there in the real world, and, and we need to be out there in our thinking, but we also need to put ourselves out there and take a leap of faith. And that's our third point today, that we need to put ourselves out there. When I started studying this scripture, I, I saw it in isolation. And like I mentioned earlier, this is a scripture I could quote forward and backwards since I was a teenager. And, and I've re never really thought about how this, uh, how this scripture surrounding this passage related to it. But then as I was studying the text, I noticed how many pastors and teachers and commentators uh, linked verses 1 and 2 together with, with verses 3 through 5. And some even linked them together as one entire thought. And so for me, it was, it was like a light bulb went off, that, that Paul takes this idea of our individual bodies being living sacrifices and ends this section by relating our bodies to the church body. So let's take a look, and let's read Romans 12, and this is verses 4 through 5. It says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Now, uh, we have an idea of what it should look like for us as individuals. We need to go out into the world and live like Jesus is alive. We need to have our thinking shaped by what Jesus did on the cross and not give in to the pressures of the world. But now Paul is giving his readers an idea of what it looks like when people, without their living and out their thinking, put themselves out there in their faith community. It's like a body that is working together for a common good. If we stop reading Romans 12, after verses 1 and 2, we're left being good Christians, but we'd be failing to be the church. And God never intended us uh, for us to live our Christian faith in isolation. He's saying here that we are an extension of Christ into the world, all working together to accomplish a common goal to reach one more. And has anyone here, have, have you ever had an injury, some kind of sports injury or surgery on something that you needed? Um, I've never had a serious or major physical injury, but I noticed that two things typically happen when we aren't able to use our whole body. Now, the first thing that happens is that other body parts have to now do more work. Uh, you may have to limp to take weight off of your hurt leg. Uh, you may have to learn how to write or use your non-dominant hand. Um, if you have a neck injury, you now need to turn your whole body just to look at the person next to you. Um, 
But not only do your other body parts, they, they need to step up, but you also are limited now in what you're able to do. You may not have the same range of motion um, that you had when you were healthy. Uh, you may not be able to drive, or maybe you might not even be able to run or play sports. And these things happen um, when the members of the body of Christ don't put themselves out there. Others in the church body are now having to fill in to make up for a deficit. There may be people serving in ministries they aren't even gifted in just because there are volunteers needed. There may be people wearing themselves out because they get the power of community and they want to further the mission of the church. But know this, just like a body is healthiest when everyone and everything is working properly, our body, our church body, um, is its healthiest when everyone um, is involved in taking part in some way and working in their strengths. Being in the body and putting ourselves out there will even help encourage us to go out there and to live for Jesus and to be out there in our thinking as well. As we're working towards a common goal with other believers, it forces us to align our hearts and our actions with theirs. So let's take a moment. Let's think about these three points. Let's ask ourselves, how can we be better at living for Jesus? How can we be fully out there in our faith? What step do we need to take in order to be out there in our faith? And I don't normally do this, but um, I wanted to give some real-life application um, about how there are real things that we can do this week to help us be more out there in our faith. And, and I'm someone who hates being told how to apply things in my life. Um, I'm so input-driven that it's crazy. You know, let me figure out how to apply things myself. Like, I don't need anyone telling me how to live my life. And, and let me discover it. Um, let me do it. And, and these are moments usually in a sermon uh, where I shut down and I stop listening. Um, but I realize that maybe not everyone is like me. Uh, some people may not know where to start living uh, out there for Jesus. It may be easy to nod and agree to everything being said this morning. But once you go home later, you'll kind of scratch your head and you won't know what to do next. And so here are some next steps that we need to take in order to be out there in our faith. Um, and if the worship team wants to join me up here this morning. I think one of the things that we can uh, do to help us go out there in our faith is to take these Easter cards um, and give them to a friend or neighbor. Find a way to talk about our faith, but not in some formulaic way. We shouldn't end by giving these cards. This shouldn't be our destination, but we need to start somewhere. And I think for some of us, this may be our start simply handing out a card. It may be the first step of letting your friends and coworkers know of your relationship with Jesus. And it's funny how something as small as a card can help you be more aware of maybe even everyday conversations where you can talk about Jesus in your faith. Um, and I was actually invited to church uh, for the first time because the church's youth group was giving away a PlayStation 2 um, but that one introduction uh, completely changed my life, and it all started with one small index card. So that's one way that we can go out there into the world. To help us be out there in our thinking, uh, we need to remember that there's power in community. 
the society and culture, it can quickly pull us away from Jesus. But luckily for us, we have a whole new community of connect groups that are starting tonight. We need to get plugged in and get connected with other believers. We need to be encouraged and challenged. And if you haven't committed to be part of a connect group yet, pull out your phone right now. It's okay. You can pull out your phone while I'm talking. Um, and sign up. Sign up online. Go on our website. It's thegateway.church. It's under ministries. There you go. I showed you how to get there. Um, take a look at all the groups and see if there's a group that might help you grow in your faith. And like I said, I was a weird kid when I was younger, and, and, and I always felt pressure to fit in. I felt like my nerdy, analytical, artsy self was forced to act like someone um, that I wasn't. I was kind of forced to act like the, the general cool kid. Um, but that, that stopped the day I walked through the doors of Minerva Assembly of God in Ohio. I felt like I didn't have to earn anyone's friendship. I, I, I felt something different from, from the kids who were part of the underground student ministries. And, and though I couldn't put my finger on it at the time, I now realize that it was the love of Jesus fully expressed by a community who lived out there in their faith. We have groups for people who need to revisit their faith. We have groups that will talk about finances. We have groups that, that look at parenting. And we have groups for students and young adults and groups that, that's talking about fear. And oddly enough, we even have a couple groups that are looking at how we should respond as Christians to questions that are raised in our culture. So don't miss this opportunity um, to grow and be transformed in your thinking. And maybe you need to live out there in their faith. Maybe you need to, to change your worldview. But maybe you've been sitting on the sidelines for far too long and you're ready to put yourself out there. To take a risk and to get involved at the Gateway Church. And, and if that's you, we have an awesome class and it's happening this Saturday called Get Connected. And Get Connected, it's been Incredible since we launched it in September. And, and this is now one of the first steps at the church where people can learn about our church and who we are. And there's even a section where we go through spiritual gifts and a personality test for people to learn a little bit maybe about themselves as well. And there are so many people who have gone through it and they said, yes, sign me up, get me involved. And maybe that's you. Sign up online. Come find me after service. We want to get you plugged in. And there will even be free breakfast. So come hang out with me and get some bagels and schmear. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and I don't know where I would be today if I didn't get plugged in at my church. If I didn't get involved on the worship team. I was new to my faith. I didn't really know much about the Bible. I wasn't even that good of a guitar player. And I had no clue that I could sing. But I knew I wanted to be involved in what God was doing in the world. And I knew God gave me a heart for music. Music and ministry helped keep me connected to a community in some of the most difficult times of my life. And it was all because someone came up to me and they encouraged me to put myself out there. So what step do you need to take today in order to be out there and it may not be one of these steps, I understand that. Maybe you have something in mind that you need to do. Maybe you've been stagnant and you've just kind of needed a shock back to your system. But I know none of us here are at our destination yet. We're still on our journey to be more like Jesus. 
So let's ask him today what we need to do this week to live fully for him. Will you stand with me this morning? And let's just close our eyes. Let's take a moment and let's prepare our hearts. Um, as the worship team begins to play, let's ask God what steps we need to take today. I love your testimony that because someone reached out and because you got involved, God changed the whole course of your life. I'm so thankful for what God has done in your life and is doing. And don't think that Bobby is unique. God has a plan for each and every one of us here. And so is it to take the Easter cards, everyone say yes. So just grab it. It's right there. We got enough for everyone. And we'll restock it for second service. Don't leave it saying they need it for second service. We got it covered. Is it the next step for you to join a connect group? Everybody say yes. yes. Oh, yes, it is. That's right. And they start this week. Some start tonight. Is it for some of you to come to get connected, saying, man, I need to get off the sideline and get in the game? Some of you are saying, that's what I need to do. And I'm looking at some of you. And this Saturday is your chance to get in the game. It's the next step. Or maybe it's something else. I don't know. Before you leave, it could be that your next step is to surrender your life to Jesus. This has not been a salvation message, but we want to give you the opportunity. If you're here today and you don't know the Lord as your personal Savior, your next step is to surrender your life, to give your life to Jesus. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. We all deserve death, destruction. But the gift of God is eternal life. Just put your mind around that. Eternal life with Jesus. It's a gift, but you have to receive it. If you're here this morning and you need to receive the free gift of salvation, would you just slip up your hand where you are? Maybe you've walked away from the Lord and you're coming back to him. First service. Who needs to receive Christ? Anyone at all? slip up your hand so I can see it. I'm not going to embarrass you, but I want to pray with you. We want to walk with you. Anyone at all? All right, I don't see any hands. Father, I pray that today these words would ring true in regards to our next steps, what you've called us to do. Lord, I pray that you'd activate us this week for your glory, for your honor. God, we love you and we praise you. Thank you for allowing us to serve. Thank you for picking me. Thank you for picking each of us. Lord, we love you. We praise you. 
give you all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you're a first-timer here, we would love to meet you at the Connection Center. And if you're interested in exploring what you could do through Team World Vision, in just about three or four minutes, we're going to meet right up here, right up front. Uh, without further ado, uh, God bless you. Go in the grace of God. Turn and greet someone as you leave. Thank you for being here. We love you very much. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegatewaygh.com.